We turn to our tech expert, Carmi Levy. Nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning, John. Great to be here. All right. I, I sort of have got tired of this quote over the years, but it does apply. Um, word of my death has been grossly exaggerated. I don't think Twitter <laughs> is going to die, but I think the chemistry has been fundamentally changed by its acquisition by Elon Musk. And I just suspect, like every other social media platform, eventually people are going to get bored and move on. Exactly. I think you're right on. And I think, you know, in the wake of the mass resignations last Thursday after that deadline where Elon Musk basically said you're either with us or not, uh, a lot of people were taking to the platform, saying their goodbyes, very maudlin messages. You know, the end is not. Oh, I know. I, uh, it's been yeah, a pleasure. I, Thank you all. <laughs> it's Twitter, people. It is. And, and everyone loves some good drama. And let's face it, we had some. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Twitter itself is not going to go dark anytime soon. But, uh, you know, Elon Musk has made it very clear that what he's doing is is essentially building what he calls Twitter 2.0. And so the Twitter of the future is going to be very different than the Twitter that we've all come to know and love. And so over time, you and I will have to decide if that's the vision that we want to be a part of or whether we want to take our, our, you know, our little game and go somewhere else and that's the thing is that you know a year from now a couple years from now if elon musk is still at the helm are we going to be happy with the way twitter operates are we going to be happy with his policies with the drama and if the answer is no well guess what there are plenty of other platforms out there for us to choose it is interesting though carmy that everybody who's on twitter thinks that twitter is urgently important all the time and i think the total <laughs> usage is 400 million people on a planet with 8 billion souls and not only that but if you get into its penetration in terms of its success as a social media platform it's it's like number 15. Twitter has always fought outside its weight class. It's uh, you know an order of magnitude smaller than its major competitors, largely from Meta. Yet for whatever reason, it seems to get a lot more publicity, a lot more attention than it deserves based on its size. It's probably because of its particularly deep penetration in a few particular areas. So government, media, the world of entertainment, these are, of course, uh, sectors that tend to burn rather hot with uh, with attention. So, uh, you know, we, we do tend to have an elevated sense of self-importance while we're on Twitter. That's kind of the nature of social media, particularly with Twitter. But I think this is a healthy exercise. Let's look at Twitter through a somewhat more critical lens now that it's going through some very significant fundamental changes and decide, is this where we want to spend our time during the day? Do we want to enrich Elon Musk or, you know, maybe we want to go outside, walk the dog and do something a little bit more productive. Uh, meanwhile, teenagers and their views about social media, what's that about? Uh, yeah, so there's some research that comes to us from the Pew Research Institute. They do a lot of research on, uh, on, you know, on technology, the impact of technology on life. And they looked at teenagers between 13 and 17, and it showed that um, they have a fairly positive view of technology specifically of social media 80 percent say they, they 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 feel social media makes them feel more connected to their friends lives three quarters say it gives them a place to express their creativity two-thirds are saying it connects them with people who matter to them during tough times and you know there are still some worries you know, about a third of them say they feel overwhelmed uh, another third say they feel pressure uh, to post content 
to comment on others, that if they don't comment, they feel that they're being looked at and judged. Uh, and a quarter of them say social media makes them feel worse about their lives. So kind of a bit of an interesting split. Uh, they, they feel that it's a positive influence and there's a lot of potential for good. But there's a small minority that's kind of ringing the alarm bells and saying, we've got to be careful here because there is a bit of a dark side. Yeah, I remember listening to a conversation of a bunch of 13-year-olds about their use of Instagram. And what was absolutely astounding was the idea that if somebody posted something and you didn't respond within 30 seconds, it was like you didn't exist. And there was this whole protocol, and it sounded a lot like something out of Mean Girls, the movie, but there was this whole thing about how you had to flatter people and over-flatter people and how you know other people had to be uh, talked down to. And it just, it, it was a this whole other world. It's sort of like the cafeteria, but concentrated in digital. <laughs> It very much is. And as we know, digital tends to accelerate and intensify those feelings. And the data from this report certainly bears that out. They show that teen girls feel overwhelmed at higher rates than male teens. And, and this is data that, of course, we know that Meta has been aware of for years. And rather than dial it down or make changes to both Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and other platforms to help teens' uh, mental health, they've in fact dialed the algorithm up because all they really want to do is keep them on the platform. They don't necessarily want them to feel better about themselves. So parents, if, you're t if your kids are on these platforms, and we all know that they are, have that conversation with them. Don't leave it to Meta to make those changes. Okay, well, speaking of Meta, uh, they're taking moves to prevent some adults from being able to message teens. Yeah, but, you know, they're basically what they're going to do is when a teen first sets up an account, they're going to change the privacy settings, the default privacy settings, so that um, the visibility of friends lists, tag posts, pages, and accounts that they follow will automatically be set to the more private setting. Right now, it's wide open, and, and you don't know that it's being shared with until you go into the settings and make that change, which is really great. But the problem here is it only applies to accounts being set up by teens. If you're already a teenager and you've already got an account set up, you're still going to have to go in and make those changes. The, the, the sort of the second piece of this change is they're going to make it harder for adults to contact accounts that have been set up by teens. And so the messaging features from adults to teens are either going to be dialed back significantly or turned off completely, which, uh, you know, we've been asking this for years. It's one of those things where I'm really glad that Meta is moving ahead with this. But why did it take so long? Okay. And are you as excited about NASA's latest mission to the moon as Dan Riskin is? Because Dan Riskin's been losing his mind, which I think is absolutely charming. You can certainly ask my wife because I woke up in the middle of the night to, or stayed up all night to watch the launch. Uh, and I was literally dancing in the living room, screaming when it launched and I woke up the entire house. So yeah, I've been uh, on this all day, every day, following it online. I sit in meetings with the iPad next to me, watching the live stream. Um, it is bonkers. It's history. I mean, I was too young to really realize the significance of the Apollo missions, but I'm certainly old enough now to realize that going back half a century later is really quite the thing. And this is the mission that's going to lay the groundwork for it. And it's unbelievably exciting. Humanity, I looked up at the moon last night. We've put a capsule there. How incredible is that? That science absolutely comes to life. And we really did go to the dark side of the moon, right? We totally did. The cool thing is, is yes, it's, 
is we did this, they called it a powered lunar flyby. So the, the, the capsule dipped to about 130 kilometers above the surface of the moon and turned on its engine to slingshot past the moon to set it up to go into what they call this distant retrograde orbit. And all of this happened. It was all autonomous. It was all programmed. And it was behind the moon. So, of course, radio signals don't penetrate. No one knew what was going on. They only got confirmation as it emerged from the far side of the moon. So talk about all of the, you know, the, the really cool tropes about science and all that. We lived it yesterday, and we're going to continue living it over the next little while. This mission goes on until splashdown on December 11th. So we got lots of really cool milestones to go. And they've got these crazy trackers online that allow you to see exactly where Orion is, see it in 3D, track it with all the data and the telemetry. Uh, if you're not into science, this is going to push you over the edge. Okay, and uh, just a, a weak excuse, perhaps, to play some Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's already on my Spotify playlist, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> Carmi, thanks a lot. Good to have you this morning. Appreciate it, Todd. Carmi Levy's our tech expert.